Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network. In the future, none of you are heroes. You're legends. Get driven. Stay driven. Interesting comic book news and a review of the Lego Batman movie. Yes, folks, I finally got out to see it. I'm really excited about that. And Princess Maria will be calling in uh, with her review of it as well as we discuss the Lego Batman movie. Big movie, the number one movie in America, in the world for a while. Uh, last couple weeks. And uh, we'll give you our thoughts, impressions, and... Uh, a whole lot more this episode. So, without further ado, let's jump in and tackle. Joe Books this week announced the return to the comic book world of Richie Rich, Casper the Friendly Ghost, Baby Huey, Wendy, and the rest of the Harvey Gang, as they're known. They're back in Fantastic Harvey Hits, a new anthology anthology series that'll feature writers Landry Walker, Art and Franco, Jeffrey Goldie, and many, many more. Uh, Harvey characters, very popular. Um, Classic characters. I think everybody knows who Casper the Friendly Ghost is and Richie Rich. A lot of great characters, and they're doing an anthology series uh, to bring them back, and they want to give a lot of creators have been itching to work on these characters since they've back. They've been absent from comics for a long time, um, but we've seen them in animated series, movies, and things like that. Um, Art and Franco uh, of Tiny Titans, Fame, and uh, so many other great kids' books. Patrick the Wolf Boy was their first hit. Landry Walker, excellent, excellent writer. Uh, spearheading that, Joe Books also does the current Disney um, comics, most of the Disney comics. Uh, They do Frozen, they do Disney Princesses, upcoming uh, Cars, which was launched this week, Uh, Toy Story, Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, Gravity Falls, just a great line of of all-ages books from Joe Books. Ironically, not from Marvel Comics, their owner. But uh, yeah, Harvey's coming back to comics. Another and along, we've seen a lot of these classic characters coming back. Uh, We talked about uh, Gumby a couple weeks ago. And uh, there was news last week about Tarzan and his characters uh, from the Edgar Rice Burroughs novels coming together for a miniseries. And now Casper and the gang are the latest in a long line of classic characters back. So we'll be checking that out, talking about it on the show, of course. 
in the weeks to come. DC Entertainment plans to release Vixen the Movie on DVD and digital platforms in May. No, you didn't miss anything. The movie is going to be made up of the CW Seed animated shorts from the seasons one, I believe, one, maybe two, plus bonus content that will become one seamless story. They're going to turn it into an animated film. Uh, The animated movie will feature the voices from both CW's The Flash and Arrow series as they participated in the animated uh, shorts to begin with. This was an initiative they did uh, to tie into the Flash and Arrowverse. They did an animated series for Vixen, introduced the character over there before she worked her way into live action. They're doing a similar thing now. They're developing the Ray. And uh, we'll see when Vixen comes out. There'll be bonus material. I didn't watch. I don't have the CW seed. So I haven't watched the shorts. So I'm not sure how broken up they were actually were leading into the story. So I will definitely be picking up the DVD when it comes out and giving it a check out. I've always liked the Vixen character and thought that she's definitely one of the more underutilized characters in the DC universe. Uh, Cool power set, great looks, strong character. And uh, hopefully she continues to get a higher profile in the world of comics. Is launching a new initiative it's going to feature throwback style covers, a new logo, bi-monthly release schedule, and most importantly, the price point of a dollar to a dollar ninety-nine, which is big, big, big. Um, the books will be more affordable because they plan on going back to using newsprint. The books will launch in March. And we'll feature the first books, Adam Reck, Amazing Age, Croak, and Lilith Dark. Now, when I started reading comics back in the Stone Age, they were made out of uh, strictly newsprint. Um, They had glossier covers, uh, and uh, that was what helped keep the prices low. Uh, They switched to a fancier paper, believing that today's audiences want fancier, high-quality papers, and it it actually also jacked the prices up considerably. Now you're paying – $2.99 Two ninety nine to five ninety nine on an average for your comic books. Most of them fall within the three ninety nine range. And one of the constant complaints is it's not accessible for kids. Well, Alterna Comics, a small comic company, is is going to change, try to change that by making them much more affordable, uh, all ages and accessible stories for a dollar and dollar ninety nine. Now, just on the sheer fact that they're doing this, I definitely want to pick some up and check it out. Um, they talk to many of the creators involved and, and people involved, and they feel that there's a bit of a nostalgia factor that will play into it, and people will uh, gravitate towards the newsprint because it's what so many comics for many, many, many years were made out of. Um, interesting theory because it, it's something I kind of agree with, uh, that comics have gotten way too expensive for the average kid to come in. Especially in the way that stories are told in the long form now, if you you can get a video game for thirty dollars or, or cheaper if it's an older one, you know. In, but to be able to read an ongoing comic, it's four dollars for a piece of the story, and then you got to keep coming back. And if it's a crossover, forget about it. So I'm gonna be watching this one closely. Had a sip of coffee there. We'll be watching this one closely. 
and uh, I'm very interested. Uh, one of the titles, The Amazing Age, uh, caught my attention, so that's probably going to be the first book I checked out. Uh, we'll be talking about more about that as I'm able to get more information about it. So far, there's only a couple. Uh, there's a link on their page where you can see some of the preview art and work, but there's not a lot of information given about them yet. So good luck to Alterna Comics. Uh, here's hoping that they, they uh, find a nice niche. They're a small company. I've never heard of them before this announcement. So uh, good on them. And uh, we'll be following that story closely as well. The very belabored The Batman film has finally found its new director. Uh, ben Affleck, who was also the star, was scheduled to set and direct. He dropped out of the project. Uh, there were several other offers made and a lot of uh, back and forth. And finally, Matt Reeves, who is the director of War of the Planet of the Apes, is set to helm the film. Uh, now there's was more talk, and you can't tell for sure what's rumored and what's true, but now there's uh, rumors going around that Ben Affleck himself is considering leaving the project uh, after the scathing reviews on yet another superhero film that he made. Um, I think uh, the drama on that was amped up with the the release of the Lego Batman movie, as strange as that sounds. Almost every review I read on the Lego Batman movie took a shot at <laughs> both Ben Affleck and Batman versus Superman. Rightfully so. The movie was a stink bomb. And uh, so the, getting that film off the ground has become a huge chore. And we're not exactly sure how that's going to go. I think Wonder Woman and the Justice League movies that are both coming out this year will uh, go a long way to determine the fate of the current DC Universe film slate and the direction and, the, and I think Ben Affleck's involvement in the project as well. If those movies are received as poorly as Suicide Squad and Batman v Superman, then I imagine Warner Brothers and everyone involved will want to scrap the project and kind of start over uh, again. And uh, in that realm, there's talk this week that a Nightwing film has been greenlit. Uh, I didn't read much on it because nothing had been set in stone. It's a lot of internet speculation being touted as fact, but none of the most reliable sources have come forward and said it's definitely happened, just that they're under consideration and they're looking into things. It's one of those things they're moving forward. Usually when you see that kind of information within a couple of days, you hear for sure that it's happening, they'll announce some kind of project, but as of yet, it's still in the is reporting, is reportedly in the works, is the <laughs> catchphrase used everywhere. Jay Garrick, the original Flash, may finally be returning to DC Comics. The cover to the upcoming Flash number 22 features Jay Garrick in a version of his original costume on the cover. That issue is going to be part of the Batman-Flash crossover The Button, which will begin to unravel the mystery of the Watchmen's involvement in the DC Rebirth universe. All the way back, in Rebirth 1, uh, there was a scene where Batman found the comedian's button lodged in the Batcave. Now, the button crossover between Batman and the Flash is going to have the two greatest detectives in the DC universe, 
no, not Detective Chimp, but Batman and the Flash, teaming up to check out where it came from and what exactly it is. I'm not sure how Jay Garrick ties into that, but there was a tease for Garrick in Flash number eight where his helmet was spotted. And uh, Rebirth ties a lot into the Flash, just as Flashpoint and the New 52 was pivotal on the Flash's involvement. Rebirth brought back Wally West, and now it looks like they might be bringing back Jay Garrick. And I, I hope this means turn of the original Justice Society heroes. I was not a fan of the reimagined Earth 2 stuff that they did in the New 52, uh, just because the character shares a name <laughs> with the character I liked and you change everything else about him, uh, doesn't make him the same character. And I really didn't like their versions of, of many of the characters. Some of the stuff they did was kind of interesting, but I wasn't a fan. I wanted my classic Golden Age Justice Society characters. I'm a big fan of those characters, and I want to see them moving forward in some capacity, whether it's an alternative Earth, uh, flashback story, or uh, how they geniusly use them to be mentors and whatnot in the DC universe for many, many years. Um, so I hope it's true. I hope it's not a red herring or diversion or some kind of goofy swerve. I hope this is the start of the return of the Justice Society, which they were teasing in the beginning of uh, Rebirth, but really haven't done much since. So here's hoping. Very much looking forward to it. And uh, in April and May, and we'll start to find out more about the Watchmen and how they have a hand, seemingly, in the retooling of the DC Universe. So that about covers the news. We're going to take a commercial break, and when we return, we will be talking all about the Lego Batman movie. So, stay tuned, and we'll see you in 3 minutes and 17 seconds. Attention business owners, website owners, event promoters, or anyone looking to promote your product. The Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network is the perfect way to spread the word of your business around the world. That's right. You can advertise at our network and be played on all of our shows at rates that are so cheap. It's a no-brainer. For more information, contact Bay Ragney at bayragney at gmail.com. To keep your business driven, stay driven with Totally Driven Entertainment. Are you a fan of Sherlock Holmes? Letters from Holmes offers unique, one-of-a-kind letters from the world-famous detective himself. Handwritten on 8.5-inch by 11-inch aged parchment paper and using smudge-free ink to produce original, high-quality letters that fans will treasure for years to come. Each letter is handcrafted and written from the perspective of Sherlock Holmes, mimicking Holmes's native tongue and embracing many of the famous detective's quirks, quips, insults and peculiarities. Order a love letter, birthday greeting, personal correspondence, or more only at www.etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash letters from homes. For $5 today, you can buy a wealth of things. Gas for your car, rent a movie for the family, a few slices of pizza. $5 still takes you a long ways. But did you know that $5 can buy your child a bag of heroin in the streets? That's right. For only $5, your son or daughter can buy some of the cheapest and purest dope in the country. Be aware of the lies. Be aware of the stealing. Be aware that's all it takes to kill your child. $5. 
This message was brought to you by Casey's Cause, a group of parents located in southern Chester County out to save your child's life. Come join us today at www.caseyscause.com. And remember, $5 is all it takes. Casey's Cause, www.caseyscause.com. Looking for that perfect gift for your girlfriend? Then look no further than Teddy Scares. Teddy Scares are available in a variety of styles, sizes, and prices for all your shopping needs. Teddy Scares are a mix of cute and creepy to make a great gift for almost any age. Board up your windows, lock your doors, and log on to teddyscares.com. And be sure to become our friends at facebook.com slash teddyscares. Calling all comic book fans. Do you collect comics? Did you ever collect comics? Do you think your children might like reading comic books? Do you even know they still print real, paper, non-digital comic books? Well, then visit the Pirates of Ontario Street Comics in Philadelphia. We have a massive collection of comic books, action figures, trading cards, and much more. We have one of the largest stocks of back-issue comics in the area. We bag and board every new comic book at no extra charge. Our store is voted the best comic book shop in the 2013 PHL 17 Hot List Contest. Part of the movie Unbreakable filmed in our store. We are open seven days a week. Ontario Street Comics is located at 2235 East Ontario Street in the Port Richmond section of Philly. Our phone number is 215-288-7338. Type in the words Ontario Comics Philadelphia to check out our Wacky Stories page on Facebook. And welcome back to Mavericks Comic Roundup here on the Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. And it's time to talk Lego Batman. Uh, Lego Batman movie hit theaters a few weeks ago. I was out of town when it hit, so I didn't get a chance to see it. Finally got to see it last night, along with my guest at this time, the lovely and talented Princess Maria. Welcome back to the show. Hi, Padre. (laughs) And uh, so... Yes, hi, Padre. Right out of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) That was a great scene. (laughs) I'm sorry? That was a great scene. Yeah, it really was. Um, So the Lego Batman movie, you came along to see it. You're a a big Robin fan. I love Robin. And uh, you, you pretty much giggled at everything he said in that movie. Everything. It was amazing. <laughs> it's <just> so cute. <laughs> it was a, it was like the one of the best movies I've ever seen. It was really good. I, I tell you what, I really, really enjoyed it as well. I thought it was uh not only was it really, really funny, it had some really touching scenes in it. Like the nod you were talking about? Well, touching in that emotional, uh, they made you feel happy and sad. There was a lot of uh, a lot of Easter eggs for Batman fans, which is what I was saying, the nods to different eras of Batman history. But I thought it had a lot of heart. Like, you actually felt for some of the characters. Um, oh, yeah. plastic people. Bad for Joker. When he was, when Batman was like, I don't, I'm not in any relationships. You mean nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it was the first time in recorded history I think anyone ever felt bad for the Joker, but everyone was like, oh, <laughs> he's got all watery eyes, and I was like, oh. 
Yeah, and, and it was audible in the, in the theater, too. Like, you weren't the only one. Everybody was kind of like, oh, when Batman was mean to the Joker. Oh, my gosh. Which is, you know. Oh, yeah. It's kind of brilliant that they were Joker. able to. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Feeling, I said they were feeling bad for the Joker. Yeah, completely feeling bad for the Joker, which, you know, just never happens. No. And, uh, a lot of funny stuff. What did you think of all those villains they squeezed in? I thought there was a lot of them that I've never heard of before. Like, yeah, you've heard of Joker and Harley Quinn and Bane, but you've never heard of Calendar Man and Eggman and the Mime. Yeah, and the the thing is, like, they make the joke in there, Google, they're worth a Google. Uh, and it, it's true, all of those characters, none of them were made up. All of them had appeared in... Batman comics at some point. Um, oh wow! Egghead and King Egghead and King Tut were both from the Batman uh, television series in 1966. Um, mm-hmm. Many, many of them were for comic books. A couple of them straight out of the animated series. Like Harley Quinn got her start on the, the cartoon, not in the comic books. Yeah, but that was a lot of uh, villains. And then they brought in the ones. Like the Wicked Witch of the West and the ones from Doctor Who and um, Voldemort, which was yeah, pretty keep, insane. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, I, it was really really funny, and, and it, it it was in the Lego Movie universe. You saw briefly in the beginning the, the yeah. magic portal. What it looked like is that where they said it goes into the abyss, and it was the same oh, kind yeah. of pattern that was the magic portal in the first one. And yeah, they talked about how the world was, yeah, they talked about how the world was just made out of Legos. Yeah. Oh. Um, so when they went in, sorry? I said that was fun. Yeah. Uh, when they went into the Phantom Zone, you saw all these crazy villains from all around. Uh, oh, yeah. The Gremlins, the Daleks. The Gremlins, Yeah. Forgot about the Gremlins. These weird Gremlins off the ship. <laughs> I really enjoyed so the movie. It was really funny. Yeah. So outside of Robin itself, what was your favorite part? Um. Ooh. Do I have to pick one? <laughs> there was so many that were just hilarious. When um, uh, Bruce Wayne was at the party for Commissioner Gordon, and Robin was asking him questions about, will you adopt me? And he was like, yeah, uh-huh, because he wasn't paying attention, and then came home and winded up with a child running around his house. And that was pretty funny. <laughs> Real story of how Batman adopted Robin. Yes, and you've been quoting Robin quite a bit around the house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was very quotable, some of the things he said. Hello, secret camera. <laughs> Hello, secret camera. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And one of, the, one of the things, when they, they said they were making the movie, they said it was going to be a, a – they were going to acknowledge all of Batman's history, and they did a crazy good job of doing it. When Alfred, yeah, they really did. When Alfred came out with the 60s costume on, 
He was like, I missed the sixties. That was pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he wore the Adam West costume, which was uh, just awesome. Uh, great nod. But, there was a couple nods to sixties Batman in there with the shark repellent. Oh yeah. This is not going to be used at all, except for the time it is. <laughs> right. It ended up being important later, and uh, of yeah, course uh, the the screen grab of. Uh, I guess it was a screen. However, they, it's the flashback when they went through the errors of Batman, and he's like, that goofy period in the 60s, and you saw Batman dancing. Yeah. That was fun. I like that. Yeah. Of course, references to some of the, some of the, if you're a real, real big Batman fan, some of the little references, throwaways, um, like when the Joker was hijacking the plane in the beginning. And uh, the guy was literally telecoding about the plots of other Batman movies as Joker schemes. <laughs> I remember that. That was funny. Yeah, and you haven't seen a lot of the other Batman films and, and things, so I some haven't. of that stuff may have escaped you. Yeah. Yeah, but it like still like made sense that he was hinting at Batman movies, even if I didn't right. know what yeah. like the exact ones were. Batman went over to Superman's house, and they were talking about how they could beat each other right now if they wanted to. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> yeah, they made Batman and Superman really adversary, which was a tease at uh, Batman versus Superman and, and how recently they seem to fight more than they team up. Uh, yeah. Especially as far as movie stuff goes. But, yeah, that was funny how he kept saying Superman was his biggest enemy. Oh, yeah. That was really good. Who's your biggest enemy? Superman. He's not a bad guy. <laughs> uh, what was it? There was something else that came up that was funny. Um, I can't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> but I really uh, enjoyed the, the movie. Cameos, I thought it was fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. The cameos with the, the Justice League in that scene were pretty amazing, too, because they, they oh, kind of yeah. went deep. They brought in... Super Friends characters like Black mm-hmm. Vulcan and Apache Chief and even Wonder Dog, which I thought it was Crypto in, when I first saw the scene uh-huh. uh, in the trailer. I thought it was Crypto, but it turned out to be Wonder Dog from the Super Friends. Uh, that was even more amazing. And now I'm obsessed with yeah. the like Wonder Dog Lego figure. That's awesome. Uh. The finale scene was pretty amazing, too. <laughs> The finale scene is completely off the page, and if you want to check out, I literally just posted the finale scene on because they released it on uh, Facebook uh, earlier in this week. The finale song and dance, uh, absolutely hilarious. We walked out of the theater singing the song. It was so funny. Yeah, that was awesome. I loved it. That was so much fun. And, and the character was very much like the Lego Batman in the Lego Batman movie. The, the, the ego was off the charts in this one. It really was. And uh, poking fun at a lot of the goofier elements of Batman that just don't add up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the fact that he would come home to the Batcave and he would eat lobster and watch rom-coms was pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> In this giant empty theater watching romantic comedies all the time. <laughs> it's so sad. I loved it when Robin, like, went into the Batcave and he was like, 
Batman lives in Bruce Wayne's basement. No, Bruce Wayne lives in Batman's attic. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, my gosh, that was great. And I love that he referred to himself as Bruno. I had never heard that before, but he's like, you know, old Bruno. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When he was talking about Bruce Wayne. Uh-huh. I, that was really funny. He has aged phenomenally. I have aged phenomenally. Yeah. And what, just when they were going through all the different suits was really funny. Renegade Man. Robin ripped his pants off. Oh, yeah, Renegade Man. Uh, and that's how he got his costume to be Robin, which was really hilarious. Um, it really was. And all the different suits. Yeah. Now I'm free. Okay. Now I'm moving. Come on, Batman. Let's get grooving. Yeah. <laughs> I can seriously only look at you in the eyes right now. Uh, Yeah, the suits. The suits were just classic. As you know, I've started a crusade to gather as many of those Lego mini suits (laughs) as I can. Yeah, they have so many. Yeah, they're putting a bunch out, and uh, I hope they keep putting them out because there were some really funny ones. And even some of those were nods to, to actual things that Batman did in war. Not all of them. Like when, were way over the top. Like when Batman turned into Nightwing? <laughs> yeah, that was a... I didn't realize at the time that that was a funny little cameo, but that suit was named Nightwing, and he put it on at one point and was running around in, a, in his own version of the Batman suit, and it was called, with a K, <laughs> Nightwing, but it was still a great nod to the Dick Grayson character. So, so many things. I want to go back, and, like I said, when it comes out and, and on home video. Yeah. And uh, get in and, and definitely watch it again and again to see how many of those little Easter eggs I've missed. Like I said, coming out of the yeah. theater, there was a scene in the beginning that I'd seen in the trailers where everyone's holding up signs and going, we love you, Batman. And then I started to notice, you know, one of the signs said Batman forever. <laughs> yeah. Which was the name. Um, of, so I want to go back and see because I'm sure there's a, a lot of things I missed that I want to go back and see. Yeah. Because it's like a lot of things you don't know everything until you see it. For the, you can't find everything on the first time you watch it. Yeah, and you're reacting to things that you see, and there's suddenly other things throughout the movie that you may have missed. So it'll definitely be something I need to, to watch on repeat. And it, honestly, it might be my favorite Batman movie. <laughs> I could see that. Well, I mean, as funny as it was, and it was goofy, but it, it, it also did something that a lot of Batman movies haven't been able to do, and that's capture the character of Batman. It was done in an over-cartoony way, but they really got into the heart of why Batman dresses like he does and why he is... Why he's Batman. Right, why he's Batman, why he obsessively says he's a loner, but he's always surrounded by people. And this this, is his entourage of Alfred's always there, and there's a Robin and Batgirl, and What'd you think of Babs? Um, I liked her. I thought she was kind of funky. She was sassy. She was over the top, but in a good way. <laughs> it was a very different interpretation of her. Uh, it really was. You know, she, um, when she was introduced, she was more uh, of a grown-up, uh, out of college. Uh, in the comics, they made her a teenager because they wanted to have that 
romancy will they won't they with Robin. But in this one, she was a straight up grown up professional police officer, becomes commissioner, a very different version of Batgirl than anything I've seen in the comics. Oh, yeah. Um, kind of playing into a romantic interest with Batman, which hasn't always been done. No. I thought it was funny, though. <laughs> no, absolutely. It was teased a little bit in the uh, 66 TV show where she debuted. Yeah. But uh, never really uh, played into that point. So it was very different. I kind of like, I would have liked to have seen a little more of that girl. She didn't back girl up until the end of the movie. The very but, end. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's when everybody got their almost code names. You are back girl. Then I, can I call you Bat boy? <laughs> right. <laughs> she really wasn't putting up with any of Batman's nonsense. Not at all. Wasn't having it. Yeah, exactly. Um, anything more you want to say on uh, Lego Batman? Um, I don't think so. I just thought it was really funny, and all the moments in it that were just really funny, and then it got really heartfelt, and everybody was, oh. Like when yeah, Batman was, was trying to go back the theater, to the Phantom people... Right, right. Yeah, there was a couple times in the movie where people were audibly awing at the movie and laughing out loud. Um, oh, yeah. It was this, eh, probably about half filled while we were there, so they're still getting good numbers, but they were very into the movie, everybody was. It was a fun audience. Oh, yeah. It was really good. Yeah, absolutely, so... Yeah, Lego Batman movie still in theaters. Get out and see it if you can. Uh, definitely want to see it again and probably again and again and again. Oh, yeah. It's a great movie. Definitely. Well, thanks for checking in this morning. Thank you for having me. Anytime. And we'll have you back uh, soon for another Dancers Read Dance class. Yeah. I'm excited. All right, <laughs> and I will thank you for calling in. I'll talk to you soon. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Maria, member of the posse here. She contributes to Dancers Read Dance class reviews and uh, checked in. She went to see the movie with me yesterday. I wanted to get her impressions on it on the air. We had a lot of fun watching it, uh, a lot of fun quoting it all the way home. Definitely get out. It's a fun one for the kids. I could say she's not really a superhero person, but she loves the movie, and she's got a long-standing uh, Robin thing that I don't know if I should be worried about or not, but uh, a lot of fun. Uh, definitely get out and see it. Um, we've been collecting the minifigures that come with the movie. There's a lot of great bat suits and funny things in there, and uh, if you're a fan of Batman, you should enjoy this movie, unless you're one of those stick-in-the-butts, Batman's got to be dark and evil kind of guys, then stay away from this movie, because uh, they just make funny of the whole time. So that's it, Batman, the Lego Batman movie, uh, the second in the sequel of sorts to the Lego movie. Uh, it's in that universe, and there are a couple nods to it, uh, Batman still being a master builder, and it plays into the plot of the movie from time to time. And then up next is, for them, is uh, 
Lego Ninjago, which also comes out this year. Not sure why they didn't space them out better. But uh, a lot of fun. And definitely we'll be talking probably some more about the Lego Batman movie in the weeks to come. It's time for the Six Shooter. It's the part of the program where I pick six comics that I've read this week and tell you about them and tell you to get out there and read them. Now, these are my picks for books that stood out. Uh, they're not necessarily the greatest books, uh, but a lot of them are really, really good. I'm not saying they're the best books that were put out this week because everybody's tastes are different. These are six books that I like and enjoyed and uh, sometimes uh, want to highlight different things for you. Um, no particular order, usually. And uh, very interesting picture to this week. There was a lot of different stuff, and I love when there's different stuff out there. Uh, there's books that I tend to gravitate to, but when I can get out there and see something new or something that catches my eye, it's always a good thing. And the first one on the list it really is a blast from the past for me, and that's Highlander, the American Dream, number one from IDW Comics. Uh, yes, Highlander as in the cult classic 80s film, which led to a bunch of really, well, not all of them. Some of them were really bad sequels. Some of them were decent sequels. Uh, and then a, an, an excellent, excellent TV series of the same name in the universe. Uh, there's now a comic book, and it's set during the time of the first movie, at least the first story arc is. I don't know if the entire series will be or how it works. Um, but it follows Connor McCloud in the events leading up to you know, the gathering, and, the, and it expands on the different characters introduced there, expands on his backstory, introduces a few more immortals as they're getting ready you know, for the gathering, the big event. Uh, it's really fun. It had a great film. There's a couple nods to things that happen in the film. Um, yeah, and it was a surprise. I heard that this was coming out. It was just very cool. I didn't know if it was going to be like a reboot or something completely different, but it was a lot of fun to see that world brought back. I really, really enjoyed the first movie. Um, like I said, I thought some of the sequels were pretty awful, but some of the sequels were pretty good. And all of the sequels were kind of all over the place because uh, I think the first movie was made in a way that, you know, it was one complete part of a story and then they tried to do sequels and things after it and it didn't quite work out all the time and um, I think some of the ones that were prequels worked a little bit better because they had a little more room and that's how the TV series went and uh, worked really really well in that regard so you know Highlander if you're a fan uh, get out there and check it out I was talking uh, to a couple fans this week and That'd be a movie that I think they could do a really great job of remaking um, and be able to keep uh, the train on the tracks a little better now if they plan it as a multiple movie arc um, as opposed to just kind of throwing things against the wall because you had a really great movie and wanted to capitalize. But the book was cool. A Highlander, The American Dream, it's called, number one, three ninety nine from IDW Comics and hit stores this week. The next one on the six-shooter. This one just tickled me the minute I saw it. I, I knew it was going to end up on my list. It's funny how this book is quietly becoming one of my favorite series. And it's Scooby-Doo Team-Up number 23. Scooby-Doo Team-Up has been a 
just a blast lately. It started out mostly teaming up with DC superheroes and superhero characters, but it's really started to branch out and explore a lot of animated properties from Hanna-Barbera and uh, Warner Brothers and things like that. And this month, Scooby-Doo teams up with Quick Draw McGraw and, of course, my personal favorite, El Caban. Um plays into the story. Uh, not Also, not the only classic character in the story. I was uh, insanely tickled to see that Ricochet Rabbit also plays into it. Um, so you had two talking animal sheriffs taking part in this story. Uh, a lot of fun, really silly. Uh, love the fact that Scooby and Shaggy and, and the gang are interacting with a talking sheriff horse, and nobody even blinks an eye. Uh, but just the fact that they've been bringing these characters back. I know last month I talked about uh, Frankenstein Jr. and uh, was in there, and they've done Space Ghost and Captain Marvel and the Super Friends and Harley Quinn, uh, Scooby-Doo team-up. It's a fun book, especially as they dig into these retro characters uh, They've been, it's really, really cool. It reminds me of the old Scooby-Doo movies in a way, which were my favorite of the Scooby-Doo series. And uh, it, this one's quickly, every month, they surprise me. And it's not one I pay attention to. Usually I see it on this newsstand when it hits, and it's like, oh, I need to have that. And uh picked it up. I've uh, enjoyed it. I've read it twice already just for the fun of it. Uh, if you love those old-school Hanna-Barbera characters, definitely, definitely get out there and keep an eye out for Scooby-Doo team-up. I'm anxiously looking forward to see who's going to come out next month. Uh, I kind of don't even want to be spoiled. I can I can look it up, but sometimes it's more fun just to walk into the store and see El Cabong on the cover of a comic book. So Scooby-Doo Team Up, number 23, $2.99 from DC Comics. And that's an all-ages book, too. So if you want to you know share a little bit of your childhood with your kids or cousins, nephews, uh, <laughs> adopted ward from the Gotham Adoption Agency, pick it up and check it out. The number three on the six-shooter, another classic 80s property. Hits comic book stores. Power of the Dark Crystal number one. Now, this is being billed as the official sequel to the legendary Jim Henson and Frank Oz film, The Dark Crystal, which turns 35 years old this year. Hey blows me away that I'm getting that old. Um, <laughs> uh, this book, Dark Crystal, was a, a very unique-looking movie, a very amazing-looking movie. This book does a really good job of capturing the spirit. The, uh, the colors on it are absolutely stunning. And it's a sequel to the Dark Crystal movie, um, which is set uh, about a century after the first movie. And it is based on the unproduced screenplay for a sequel that, you know, never got, for whatever reason, never got made, maybe after Henson's passing, or it was just, didn't, I don't know the exact reason why it, the sequel never happened, but this is uh, based on that screenplay, and they're calling it the official sequel. Uh, so, you know, if you're looking for a little nostalgia, if you enjoyed The Dark Crystal, I know there's still fans out there, um, get out there and check it out. Uh, Archaea Comics, uh, $3.99, The Power of the Dark Crystal, number one. Yeah, definitely a flashback, and like I said, it's a beautiful-looking book. Uh, they do a great job of capturing the spirit of the the movie. Uh, new characters are introduced in a new plot. Um, 
and kicks right into gear uh, where there's a new character named Therma who wants to destroy the crystal. Uh, that play's obviously going to play a big part in the, the, I'm guessing that is the plot of the movie. But uh, issue one came out this week. It looks like it's six issues, I believe. And uh, I was I was uh, very interested and surprised to see it, and I was very happy with how it looked all together. A great looking book, uh, definitely worthy of picking up and checking out, especially if you're a Dark Crystal fan. Coming up next, uh, new number one from Marvel Comics, Electra number one. Uh, Electra number one, her new solo series, sees Electra go to Vegas, and she runs into, of all people, Arcade uh, of the X-Men uh, villains. And he's got a very interesting thing going on, um, kind of a blood sport type thing with uh, Arcade running the games, and Electra kind of gets tied into that. Um, Really cool. I like that Elektra's new look is sort of based on the Daredevil TV series, uh, a Netflix series, I should say. Um, fun book. Uh, it was uh, interesting uh, putting Elektra up against a villain that you really wouldn't think about for her. Uh, I liked where it was going. I mean, it was a setup issue for sure. You kind of got into Electra's head a little bit and showed you where she was. Um, she steps up to, to help somebody in need and inadvertently gets drawn into a bigger plot, um, as these things tend to happen. And uh, the whole Electra ties into um, a new family of comics almost. They're, they're expanding the Daredevil world into more comics. Bullseye, Kingpin, now Electra all have new series. As uh, they're ramping up for more Daredevil on Netflix, there's a season three coming, and Daredevil's going to take part in the Defenders. So with this higher profile, they're building his family of comics, um, his own little world. And these guys all now are, are reaping the benefits of that with their own books. Uh, not sure how closely it will tie, I think, in tone more than anything as far as uh, – how it leads into the books and how it connects the books to the TV show. I don't think they'll do a lot of too much shifting around because Daredevil wasn't one that was messed with too much. But uh, yeah, and it's a part of an ongoing, what was, I wrote it down. Running with the devil uh, is the Daredevil running with the devil is the trade dress as it were. It was uh, on all the comics, all the new number ones for both Daredevil bullseye. Well, not Daredevil itself, but bullseye. And Electra both had the uh, – and Kingpin all had the running with the devil uh, dressing. So I don't know if that's the brand or if it's a storyline. They haven't really gotten into what it was. But uh, Electra, number one, three ninety nine from Marvel Comics. Check it out, especially if you're a fan of the series, and see what Electra is up to. Next one on the list, Thunderbolts number 10 from Marvel Comics. Uh, Kurt Busiek and Scott Hanna the creators of the Thunderbolts series and characters, well, not the characters per se, the Thunderbolts version, Thunderbolts version of the characters, returned to write the prologue for the 20th anniversary story arc that kicked off in this book. Uh, the storyline sees Baron Zemo coming back to reclaim the Thunderbolts and the return of fan favorite Joel. Uh, 
This is twice, the 20th anniversary of the Thunderbolts. Thunderbolts number one was one of those comics that really uh, turned a lot of people on its side. It was unexpected. Uh, the premise was a, a group of villains disguised themselves as superheroes to, to kind of fill a void um, where a lot of the superheroes, we're not even going to get into why, uh, weren't around, and these guys were going to take advantage of that, disguising themselves as superheroes. Bar- the Masters of Evil and Baron Zemo all created heroic personas. And then over the course of the, the series, the original series, is them struggling with uh, some of them wanted to become heroes, some of them wanted to keep the scam going, and then the introduction of this character, Jolt, really shook things up for them. Series in the beginning, and they, they've kept the Thunderbolts name going for many years, but it, it's, and it's usually some sort of secret villains team doing good things, but it never quite, uh, to me at least, captured the magic of that first uh, Thunderbolt story and series, or at least the beginning of the series when they were dealing with that. Um, so it's interesting, the current Thunderbolts comic, they're being led by Bucky, and uh, they're hiding the uh, the little girl Cosmic Cube come to life character, Kovac, which ties into the Captain America storyline that's big, we've talked about on the show here. And um, so we'll probably be seeing some sort of tie-in as the 20th anniversary, and they lead into Secret Empire, Marvel's big crossover event, where they have to battle the Hydra brainwashed, for lack of better words, Captain America. Um, it was interesting to go back and see. It was fun. Definitely the uh, the prologue was, you know, it was short, but it was Music and Hannah, and honestly, the art on the the prologue was better than the art on the regular series. Um, I really am Scott Hanna fan. I think he's a great comic book artist, and uh, definitely caught the mood. And those characters it was nice to see, and you're like, oh, that that feels right, <laughs> kind of thing, if that makes sense. But Thunderbolts number ten of the current series, four ninety nine from Marvel Comics, kicking off their big anniversary. Run. I'm not sure how long that arc is scheduled to last, but it's definitely leading into uh, some interesting things as, as the story itself was um, Baron Zemo's plot to try to reclaim the Thunderbolts. Sixth book on my list is one of the most pleasant surprises I've ever had. I ordered this originally. Um, I read a write-up. The joy of I talked about previews magazine is that sometimes you can something catches your eye. And this is one of those books that I probably would have passed over had I not read previews because it's probably not a book that's going to get a lot of press that I know of. But it's Picks, One Weirdest Weekend uh, by Greg Shigiel. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Um, it's the story of a teenager, Emmeline Laurel Pixley, uh, who is actually no ordinary teenager. She uh, has superpowers. And the reason she has superpowers is because she claims that she's a fairy princess. And uh, it's a lot of fun. It's an all-ages story. A um, lot, of, lot of fun books. I think this is going to be one of those uh, – they wisely put it out in a, in a trade form. Uh, they put out the entire story together, the first story together. And um, I think that was really, really smart because I think it's the kind of thing that uh, bookstores and libraries and, and – are going to do really, really well with. It's going to get a lot of its attention from there because I think it's the kind of thing that at first glance, a lot of your stereotypical comic people will pass over. 
But uh, this was one of the most entertaining books I've read in a long time. Uh, there's some really fun things going on in here. Uh, they play into the fairy tale princess, but give it some superhero type uh, storytelling in different things that happen to her and in crazy events. And it's a really a fun book. I like the characters um, that are introduced there, her two best friends and her two best girlfriends and her, and her best friend who's a boy, but not a boyfriend. If you see where we're going with that, uh, her parents, the neighbor, there's a, a lot of interesting, fun things introduced in this. A great read. I picked it up thinking that my daughters would like it. I actually, but uh, easy for me to say, but upon skimming through it, I'm like, this looks kind of interesting. I want to read it, and I'm glad I did. I read it first, and I'm going to get their input on it later to see what they think, but I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's a fantasy-type element for superheroes. Uh, they've already announced the second volume, which is great. And uh, I think it's going to be one of those great all-ages hits, and I think it's going to do really well, and I think everybody should get out there. Picks, One Weirdest Weekend, uh, really a surprise for me how, how good it was. Uh, I'm going to do a full review on this coming later because uh, I really, really want people to get out there and read this book. I'm a big fan uh, of, it, of the world that's been created and the story itself. And uh, I think for sure uh, – People need to get their hands on this book. Uh, Greg Shegel uh, wrote uh, for SpongeBob comics for a long time. So there's a lot of uh, fun elements in there. It's not overly goofy, but there's some really fun, creative things that happen in the story. So that is the number six and final book on my list. It is $12.99, and Image Comics puts it out. Um, it's $12.99, but it is the full tale. It is a five chapters, six chapters. So it's about the, the length of a regular five chapters of a full-length miniseries. They just, I think, wisely put it out together so it wouldn't get lost and you could read the whole thing in one sitting. And that's why I said uh, bookstores and libraries for sure would uh, will be where I'll think of this book really picks up steam. And I think it's going to become one of those um, instant classic uh, teen comic all-ages books that we're, we talk about for quite a while. Um, so... Check it out. Uh, it's available in comic book stores now. Uh, you can ask for it. If you're, they don't have it, ask them to order it for you. And it's Picks from Image Comics. That brings us to the end of our program this week. I do thank you for tuning in here on a Sunday morning, talking comics with me. I want to thank Princess Maria for calling in with her review of the Lego Batman movie we discussed today. Um, a lot of fun comics and comic book news, so it was a fun episode. I'm glad you tuned in here. Uh, and make sure you check out all of the great shows here on the Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network. Uh, totally Driven Radio itself, the flagship Thursday nights. you got the Mojo Sports Show, which is actually coming up later today. Uh, Friday nights, you can get Liberty All-Star Wrestling Retro Wrestling Radio, hosted by myself and Super Cody. Pro Wrestling Now with Mike Ferrara and so many other great shows on the air. Go to TotallyDrivenTV.com for more on those uh, great, great shows. A lot of fun. I listen a lot throughout the course of the week. A uh, little bit of something for everybody. For more information on this show, however, my upcoming appearances, my blog, and more, check out MavericksRoundup.com. 
You can also follow me on social media, on Instagram at Mavericks Roundup, on Facebook at Mavericks Comic Roundup, and on Snapchat at Mavs Roundup with an S. You can read my weekly comic book reviews on the Totally Driven Entertainment Network at totallydriventv.com. For more information on my comic book reviews, go to Comic Universe Facebook page at Comic Universe. And my soon-to-be on the Totally Driven Network Star Wars Family Podcast, Galactic Clubhouse. You can check out at Galactic Clubhouse on Facebook and Instagram for for that show as well. Uh, We are planning our return as we get ready for The Last Jedi. Um, Secret code. This is the end of February. It's your last chance to get into the secret code that will win you the Miles Morales Spider-Man pop. If you're a Posse member and you have your membership card, you can email me, Mav, at mavericksroundup.com, mav at mavericksroundup.com. This Month's secret code, Y-V-H-F-I-V-G-L-W-I-R-G-R-M-V. Now, if I went a little too fast and you get a chance to write them down, don't worry. Go to mavericksroundup.com. Go to secret code, and it's all spelled out there for you. It's also got the contact information on how you can enter to win the Miles Morales exclusive pop figure from the Secret Wars box that I unboxed a few weeks ago. Next week, we'll have a brand new code for March and a brand new prize. So make sure you get it in. We're picking one winner randomly from all the successful entries I receive. So thank you for tuning in. Uh, Coming back next week, we're going to have more comic book fun and a brand new month means all new comics and excitement. So thank you for tuning in. And until we meet again, Happy trails.